Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. My name is Pastor Joshua. I'm your next generation pastor here at Crossgate Church. And as always, uh, when given the opportunity, just thrilled to be here and uh, to just bring a word to you this morning. Well, over the last several weeks, we have been looking at what it means and what it takes to disciple the next generation. And we saw how discipling the next generation even takes a multi-generational approach where we have grandparents uh, reaching out and discipling their children and their great-grandchildren. We looked at the need to know and live out God's Word, especially with so many voices in our culture that can distract and destroy those who do not know the truth. We discussed the dangers of an ever-growing technological world where it is harder to discern reality, and it's especially hard to have real, lasting relationships. And we saw how much of this is, is linked with depression and anxiety and how Data Today tells a story of a generation flooded with depression, with anxiety, with suicidal ideation. And, and, and really what it means is this generation is desperately searching for meaning, for worth, for value, and for purpose. Last week, we saw how this really all begins in the home. That, that as parents and grandparents, we must be discipling the next generation. And really, not to keep them in a bubble, per se, or to protect them for the rest of their lives. No, we disciple them so that we can send them out. I often tell my students that the, the only way we're really going to reach this generation is if you are missionaries into your own culture. So yes, come, be a disciple, but I disciple you, and we have the things that we do in our youth ministry, not so you can just benefit from them. No, we're sending you out into this world and this culture. The only way to change this generation is to send them as missionaries to Christ, of Christ, into our world and our culture. So, several weeks before Easter, Pastor Phil approached me and he said, hey, I want to close off this Next Generation uh, series and, and you close it off. And I was like, man, that's so exciting. And, I, and immediately I started thinking about like verses I might go into or what topics would I address. And I started getting really excited about that. And he was like, well, wait, wait, wait. What I want is a panel of teenagers answering questions on stage. You know how kind of you're, you're waiting for a punchline? Like you're waiting for somebody like, gotcha, like Ashton Kutcher's popping out somewhere. Like say you're punked, way old reference. But that never happened. Like he didn't blink. He's like, nope, that is what I mean. I was like, okay, well, what could possibly go wrong? And so that's what we're doing today. We are having a, a panel of teenagers come up and really we're going to listen. That's our challenge for today is to listen and learn. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance. See, church, we have had a whole series on and about Generation Z, but we have yet to really hear from this generation. And I have found that the best way to learn is to actively listen. So that's what we're going to do today. These students that I'm about to bring on stage are nervous. 
Some of them are stepping well outside of their comfort zone to be a part of this. So they need your encouragement. They need your support. And so since we're listening, we're also not here to lecture. I know each of these students personally. I, I spend time with them. I worship with them. I've been to their games. I've seen their plays. I disciple them. I have walked through some pretty tough times with these students. So I'm encouraging them to speak truth this morning. And some of that really might be hard to hear. That said, if you find yourself like maybe disagreeing with something that was said on stage, or maybe it just didn't really feel right to you, then you can disagree, but please come and talk to me about that. That's something that as their youth pastor, I can speak into it. They have amazing, godly, wonderful parents. Their parents will speak into that but they don't need a lot of people approaching them after this service saying, hey man, let me tell you how you're wrong. So let's listen today. These students are here, and let's go ahead and bring up this panel. Uh, And they they have their parents and myself, and we continue to disciple these students, and uh, we're gonna continue to do so. So go ahead, there's our panel. Give them a round of applause. I don't, I don't get to sit often, guys. Like, this is nice. This is, okay. All right, so I thought, first of all, many of you probably have seen these guys walking around the hallways or playing basketball, but you probably don't know them. Uh, so let's start with just some basic introductions. Uh, so just to cut, like, so name, age, grade, how long you've been coming to Crossgate, what school you go to, and something just kind of random about yourself, just something interesting. That's, that's what, six things? That's not a lot, that's not a lot of things. All right, here we go. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Gavin, I'm 17, and I go to Lakeside, I'm a junior, and I've been coming here for about nine years, and I play the trumpet. There you go, you play trumpet very well. Yeah, good trumpet. All right, Gavin, everybody. I'm Claire Hudnall, I'm 17, and I'm a junior at Lakeside. I've been at Crossgate for about five years, and a fun fact about me is that I teach swim lessons. Very good. All right, Claire Hudnall, everybody. Go ahead. I feel old now. Um, (laughs) Hi, my name is Kaylin Oswalt. I'm 19. I'm currently a sophomore at University of Central Arkansas. Um, I've been coming to Crossgate almost three years, and a fun fact about me is that I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, lived there 16 years. Go Tigers. (laughs) I said it would be hard. We're here to listen. Listen, not We're here to listen. (laughs) My name is Tripp Bailey. I'm 15. I'm ninth grade, and I'm homeschooled. I've been coming to Crossgate for about two and a half, three years now. Fun fact, I wear a size 14 and chew. <laughs> size 14? Yes. You're, and you're how old? 15. You're 15 years old. So if you are not praying for his parents actively, that's something to add to the prayer list. All right, so thank you. Those are introductions to now. You guys kind of know our, our panel. So I want to throw it back to the very beginning of our series, where we had Pastor Rob and his wife Tula kicked off the series by talking about uh, multi-generational discipleship. 
right? And looking at how grandparents really had this unique role of they're not just discipling their adult kids still, but they're also discipling their grandkids. Or there's this really unique place where they're helping their grown kids learn how to disciple their grandchildren. So first question to you guys, what role have your grandparents played in your life? Like how has multi-generational uh, discipleship really uh, impacted you? Gavin. Okay, so my granny, she lives with us and has for several years. She's there for the small things when our parents couldn't. Uh, she's there to pick us up, babysit for us, whatever we needed. And one of my grandparents, he is a pastor in Louisiana, and he's um, a really big part of the church down there that he is in. And he taught me that even if you're a strong person, it's okay to be emotional or, and empathetic. Yeah, good word. All right, uh, let's go to a trip. So it's, uh, my grandparents were always there when I needed them. They showed up to the small stuff that didn't really matter, and then the big stuff, that, like sports games, just small events. Uh, they got me into Bible, Bible history, mainly my grandma. She encouraged me to get into Bible history. And my grandpa, he taught me how to use manners, act, love, love your neighbor as yourself, all of those important roles. Yeah, awesome. Claire? Um, my grandparents live in Hot Springs, so I got to spend a lot of time with them. And one thing that they did was they included Christ and prayer in everything that they did. So I think that really impacted me and how I live my life and wanting to include Christ in everything. Um, like I remember us praying every time we leave the, their house and praying before every meal and just including prayer in daily life. So I think that was really important. Yeah, I can, that's awesome. Kaylin? So if y'all don't know, my grandfather is Lynn Oswalt. He teaches his semester classes that he calls them here at Crossgate. Um, and he has like, a, I say like a doctorate in the Bible. He just like knows all of it. Him and my grandmother are just so educated in that. Um, and they've always been able to almost answer every single question I've had about the Bible. Like, like Claire said, like they've implicated Jesus in almost everything they've done. I've um, been grateful enough to have them like 10 minutes away from me my whole life, even moved to Hot Springs when we did, um, which was really special to me. Um, taught me Sunday school, my grandmother did. They've just been a huge part of our lives and growing in Christ and making sure their children knew how to teach their children how to love Jesus. So. Yeah, I'm seeing like a lot of, I mean, one of the common themes is just how present your grandparents are. Right, and I think that's so huge for those of you who are grandparents. Like, the the lost art of consistency and presence, um, and that that's such a vital role, um, especially for you guys and especially for their own kids. Uh, so maybe a quick follow up, Kaylin. How would you encourage grandparents in the room really to reach out to Generation Z? So it's kind of already been said, but show up to the small things, even if you live far away, try and communicate with them, talk to them as much as you can, because then that kid will grow up and remember like, oh, I remember my grandparents were here for this, or they talked to me for this, or like they called as much as they could and they were consistent, because consistency is key when you're young. Um, and some of my 
greatest memories, even though I have the memory of a goldfish, is that my grandparents were there. And like they were, my grandmother's a great gift giver, so she was always giving us gifts. And my grandfather was just, just there. He was just there cheering us on, yeah. no matter what it was. Um, so just be there. Keep a conversation going. Tell them you're praying for them. Um, if they're younger, you can help in Sunday school. Like I remember my grandmother teaching me in Sunday school. Like those are some great memories. Um, so just being there, being constant with them, consistent, just loving on them. Yeah. Trip, how about you? So yeah, like Caitlin said, uh, show up to the events, the sporting events, small events. Just show them that you care. If you can't show up, if it's long distance or you just can't, call, text. Just show them that you care. That show them that God put you in their life for a reason and. Uh, share like how God used you in life. Like share like just the different events that God has used you in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about voices and verses. This is where Pastor Phil talked about how it's hard really to determine in today's culture um, truth, right? The, the, the need to discern words of God from the words of the world. And we saw this especially in Acts 17, uh, verse 11. It says, The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And since they received the word with eagerness and examined the, examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. We talked about the, the Bereans, even though it was Paul writing them letters, and they were excited to receive the letters, they were like, well, we need to actually verify if this is something of God. And they did this with, with eagerness. And so what are some of the... I guess the question would be, what are the main voices of the world you're hearing today, and how do you check these with God's Word? Claire. I think one big voice is that loving everyone means accepting everything, mm -hmm. and we know that Scripture tells us to love others even if um, they don't believe the same things as us, but that doesn't mean accepting others' sin and others' lifestyle. Um, so I think the world knows that Christians are called to love others, and they interpret that to mean that they shouldn't judge others. And I think it's important for Christians to show true love, which is actually telling people, you know, that they're, if they are living in sin in a gentle way, I don't think Christians need to call out or be accusatory of others. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's important to truly be loving, to make it known if someone is living in sin and why that is sin and help lead them to Christ instead of just accepting their lifestyle. Yeah, good point. Gavin. Um, a big one that I see, especially in school, is like there are things that should come first, like schoolwork. You should do that first before you do anything else. Um, there, yes, doing good in school and all that is important, but it's nowhere near as important as a relationship with God. You have that kind of performance, right, that is there that I have, like, if I don't do this, then my life is just kind of, like, thrown down the drain. Uh, good point. Kaylin. So one of the main voices that I um, heard Pastor Phil mention was to do anything that makes you happy no matter what rules or norms it breaks, because your happiness is the only thing that matters. Um, and so I was fortunate to grow up in the church, and so I was able to learn the difference between happiness and joy. Um, a lot of people don't think that's really different, but according to Compassion, um, it says joy is an inner feeling, happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. 
So I learned that happiness is a temporary, kind of superficial feeling, but joy is eternal in Christ. Um, and so I, it's kind of hard to find joy in today's world, but I've felt, I know you hear this everywhere, like I find joy in Christ, even the hardest parts. Mm. So I think, especially in college, if, as long as it makes you happy, like that's, doesn't matter what you do. Like if, if it makes you happy, it's fine. So I think it's dangerous for children even to think that um, and to learn that your actions have consequences. Um, and just because Jesus forgives you for everything doesn't mean you should constantly sin. Mm. So. Good point. Trip. Yeah, I agree with that. And a big statement I hear, especially as homeschooled, is um, if God was all loving, why do bad things happen to good people or good families? And as Phil mentioned, we're here to make more and better, more and better disciples, Matthew 28, 19. So, that doesn't mean bad things won't happen. So it, it's more for the outcome. We, they have good outcomes. I've seen a lot of bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. and great outcomes come from it. And that's, we just can't let them, we'll ask why and we'll be mad for momentarily, but we're allowed to do that. And we just can't let that question why rule our lives. Yeah, oh, good point. So how can we, Kaylin, we'll start with you. How can we empower Gen Z to rely more on God's truth? I mean, you talked about this idea that we have a generation maybe kind of fixated in on whatever makes me happy is justified, right? So how do we empower Gen Z to rely more on God's truth over that particular voice or voices of the world? So I'll kind of go from like the college standpoint since that's what I've been obviously immersed in the past um, year. So having more positive interactions with young adults um, especially like Christianity wise, I talked to a lot of people who had a bad experience with the church or a Christian. They felt super judged and that like everything they did was wrong and they'll never be loved. Um, and showing them they have a purpose because especially like my grade or my generation, obviously we're finding our purpose in different things and our happiness and everything else. So just showing them that they're loved Um, like telling someone you love them is just such a a big thing, especially at my age, because I don't feel like we hear it enough sometimes. Um, So just, you don't have to, the first thing you don't have to do is like a gospel conversation. Like don't scare them or anything. Like just like um, Claire said, like a graceful, like gentle showing that Jesus loves them. Yeah. Claire? Um, I think with the world saying that to love someone, you have to accept what they're doing. Christians and parents need to empower Gen Z by showing them what real love looks like, showing them that real love doesn't just mean accepting their lifestyle, accepting their sin. It means bringing them closer to Christ. So I think that's, that's really important for parents to show Gen Z what that actually looks like. Yeah, not backing away from the truth of Scripture, but really doubling down and showing them like, hey, this is, this is God's love and it's available to you. That's awesome. All right, so let's... Let's go to what I said was the most popular sermon amongst teenagers by Pastor Phil, and that was the tech talk, right? So Pastor Phil, if you were not here, did a whole sermon on the pros and cons of growing up in the fully immersed digital age. And uh, so before, I want to do this, before we get to the serious questions, uh, because we get to hear a lot from you guys. what tech-related things do your parents do that just drive you insane? Like, for instance, 
Every time I give my phone to my oldest daughter, she's like, Dad, why is every single app open? And then she'll sit there and close every app. And I don't like, because I want to go back to the app. I think it's simple. Like, I don't need, do I need to close all the apps? Apparently, it's a problem. Yeah, I know, it drains the battery, whatever. But, you know, so that, that drives her insane. So, Gavin, what about you? Um, when the volume is consistently at max. <laughs> It is never below the top volume. <laughs> we, we, we're just, we're a little hard of hearing, that's all. We gotta, we gotta, all right, Claire, how about you? Yeah, so it doesn't matter how many times we've tried to explain it. My mom doesn't really understand what Bluetooth is. <laughs> um, and so she'll ask us if she can use her Bluetooth playlist to listen to music, and I, I don't really know how to fix that at this point. <laughs> All right, Kaylin? Um, so I feel like every kid goes through this. I'll show my parents something, especially my mom. Sorry, mom. Um, she'll be like, who is that? Or what is that? Like, why is this funny? Like, what, why are you spending time doing this? Like, you should be cleaning. Like, why? <laughs> And then, like, my dad doesn't know how to use Instagram. I'm just going to call him all out today. Um, like, I'll tag him in something, be like, happy birthday, dad. And he was like, like, three months later, he's like, thanks, kid. Like, yeah. Um, so they, we're just, we're just working on it, it's you know? A, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. every day, so. Yeah. Trip. <laughs> my mom uses Marco Polo. If you don't know what Marco Polo is, it's a... Um, video like messaging system and it's it annoys me she'll be in in like the middle of the marco polo she'll end it and so i'll start talking to her we'll be in the middle of a conversation and that person will respond which will cut us off completely and so i have to wait the next 30 minutes for them to finish their conversation just so i can like finish talking to her it's very annoying all right so just just a couple tech problems that you all are experiencing with your parents it's awesome all right so i want to do I thought this was interesting based off of what Phil said, but maybe just a quick poll with you guys. So at what age do you think a child should get um, a smartphone? Now, and I'm not talking like full internet access or anything yet, just like a, a digital device like a smartphone. I would say probably around 12 or 13. 12 or 13, okay, Claire? I agree, like 12 or 13. All right, Kaylin? Around eighth grade, like 13, 14, I'd say. Okay, trip. I would say 12 to 13. All right, so we'll go trip this time back. But what about, okay, so they have the device, but at what point would you say internet access? Like they have the device, but now they can get on YouTube, they can search on Google. Uh, what point would you say you would give a, a person a phone at that point? About a year after, so 13, 14. Okay. Freshman year of high school, like 14, 15. All right. I'm gonna say 13. Uh, kind of like Tripp said, about a year after. All right, so you kind of build up a little bit of trust, and then if, if you get there, you kind of introduce internet. What about social media? Well, Gavin, we'll go back this way. At what point, okay, maybe they can access YouTube and do stuff like that, but when you give them Instagram, uh, the talk tick, the, the Facebooks and all that stuff, I know what I said. Okay, uh, probably about 15. 15 for, okay. Yeah, for most of them. Okay, Claire? Um, I think it depends on the app, but probably between like 14 and 16. All right. 
I agree with that. Depends on the app and the kid. They built up trust. Yeah, yeah there's certain app, all apps are different. Trip? I'd say it's a maturity thing, but 15, 16, around there. Yeah, okay. Um, got, got one more kind of poll. So just show of hands or nod your head. What about parental oversight? How many of you right now, or maybe Kaylin for you when you were in high school, would say that the parents have access to, like all access to your phone? So they can look at text, they can look at social media, they know your location. What's that for you guys? Show of hands. All right, okay. So how have you viewed parental oversight? Have you viewed that as positive or as negative? Gavin. It's not always been positive, but uh, looking back, I'm glad they did it because it kept me honest and kept me on a good track. Okay, good. Claire? Um, I'm neutral about it. I think it definitely can be a good thing uh, to keep you honest, like Gavin said. Mm -hmm. All right, Kaylin? Man, I hated it. It was awful. <laughs> Um, but like looking back, I was like, well, I'm glad I did that because then I had a sleep schedule. If I had to like put my phone up, I didn't like stay up on it. Sorry, I do that now. Um, but I mean, if you if you feel like what you're if you feel like your parents see that and they're gonna get mad at you, then you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Like mm -hmm. I I know that. Um, so I think it's important. It's gonna feel like a breach of privacy, but they're your parents, not your best friend. So you know. Good point, Trip. Yeah, whenever I, I got a phone, I was gonna say negative easily. But now, as I look back, it was positive because, I mean, like Caitlin said, they're not here to be our friends, they're here to be our parents. Yeah, and I think this is a really, it's a tough spot for parents to be in, right? Like, we, we want there to be trust built up and, and certainly recognizing like how, how I grew up, like my parents didn't know where I was half the time or some of the stuff that I was doing. And now parents have way more capability to know literally everything. And so there's this kind of weird tension, but I think what you guys are pointing out is, is key for parents is, yeah, this is, this is hard and this is a battle now, um, but I like how Kaylin and Tripp put it, like you're not there to be their best friend, you're there to be their parent. And so part of that is protecting them, protecting them even from things like internet, like you said, sleep schedule, um, that there, there are things that we have to recognize as parents, yeah, this is gonna be a tough fight, but I love that all of you are looking back and saying, I'm glad my parents did this, right? They weren't, they didn't want me to just be happy. They were focused on something else. There was a long-term goal uh, put in place here, awesome. So how would you, uh, let's do this question. How, what have been some pros and cons of social media from your perspective, like amongst your peers uh, at school? What have been pros and cons of social media from Gen Z? Uh, so, some pros would be connecting with people that you don't talk to face to face a lot. Like recently I've started, I've connected with people from like, that I knew from second grade. So it can be a good way to connect with people and have conversations like that. But some cons are the, um, like comparing yourself to others. A lot of the people that are blowing up on Instagram and TikTok and all that are like well into their 30s. And you're sitting there, a teenager, comparing yourself to them. Yeah. So you're seeing all the success of someone who might look younger, 
but you're, you're comparing yourself with them. I can see that, yeah. Claire? Um, I agree with Gavin. I think a big pro of it is connection and communication. Like, for example, I was able to go on Crossgate's trip to the Amazon last summer, and so I've been able to use social media to stay connected with a lot of the people that I met in Brazil. So that was a really cool thing that social media provided. Um, but also, it, it can really consume your time more than you think it does. So I, I definitely think that's a con, that it takes time away from other things. Yeah, trip. So I'll start with the pros. Reaching out, like Evans has friends, is a lot easier from long distance and just communicating with them. Sharing the gospel can be easier. We talked about the Life360 app, or the um, Life on Mission app, sorry. Um, so there are a lot of pros on that, but uh, there are a good amount of cons, especially with social media. Cyberbullying is a big one. It can lead to depression, anxiety, and like Gavin said, a comparison is huge. And so a lot of times we'll see all of these people getting likes and we'll compare ourselves. We see them as perfect almost and we try to change ourselves to look like them and realize we can't. So mm -hmm. we feel insecure, uh, at least the anxiety and depression. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Yeah, Kaylin. So same with the pros, like communicating, long distance relationship, friendships, all that. Um, I've actually learned a couple things about, like, Christianity in the Bible on, like, TikTok and Instagram. Um, so that's kind of fun sometimes, learn something new. But I'm not going to tell everyone my screen time now that my parents are in the audience. I didn't think about that. Um, but it's not good. Um, so it's just, like, bad the amount of constant stimulation and dopamine fixes we need when we're on our phones. Like, I have to have it or do something at all time. I mean, there's so much hate and like cyberbullying, and it's just normal now. And all the people, especially during COVID, the the thing on the screen became all that we could do. Um, so I feel like that changed a lot of people, and now it's still like their personality. And it's just seeing so many comments about people just not minding their business, which I fall into sometimes too. But just we're normalizing things that shouldn't be normalized. So. Yeah. I remember talking to a parent not that long ago about how hard it was for his teenager to connect with just neighborhood kids. And the reality that like, they don't play anymore outside. Like they don't go outside because it's easier to just be inside watching TikTok for hours and hours and hours. So the connectivity is, is just lacking. And we see this in a lot of Generation Z today where instead of going out and being together in community, um, they're just choosing to kind of isolate. And like you were saying, Caitlin, like it's just, it's just easy because you're just scrolling through, hours pass by, and you don't view it as negative because who is it hurting? And the reality is it's like, well, on a deeper level, it's really hurting you, and it's hurting your community because you're not getting outside. Uh, let's, let's jump ahead here. So one of the things um, that we talked about in this series, and Tripp mentioned it, is depression and anxiety, which... Uh, we even saw how to direct a link to social media um, and increased screen time. Like the, the more Gen Z is like on their screen, the greater the depression that's there. Um, so first off, just again, show of hands, how many of you would say that you know somebody your age that is currently dealing with depression or anxiety? Yeah. And, and church, this is, if I ask this in a room full of teenagers, every single one is raising their hand, and most of them are raising their hands for themselves. 
So Pastor Phil mentioned several factors that can lead to depression or anxiety, but today I wanted to hear from Gen Z students, what do you see as leading factors of depression and anxiety in your peer group today? And Tripp, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, I would say social media, especially um, on the homeschool side. Um, not feeling loved, uh, like we talked about earlier, we compare, and it's terrible because we see all these people getting likes and we compare ourselves, realize we can't change ourselves to make us look like them, which will lead to anxiety and depression. And so all these lies will flood our brain and we just forget that God loves us so much. Yeah, Gavin. Something I see a lot is anxiety to perform well, whether it's in school, extracurricular sports, anything like that. People push themselves to try to do something that they're just not able to do. Yeah, that, that increased, if performance was an issue for someone like me in high school, it's like quadruple that for where Gen Z is today. Good point. Kaylin. Um, so I was diagnosed with anxiety in middle school. Had it whole life, just didn't realize what it was. Um, and technology and social media has definitely had a huge impact on my mental health and those around me. Because we take things to heart, because we're like, oh, if someone else is saying that, like, a ton of people think it. So then one person says something and then I get insecure about that one thing, even if it's on the internet and like someone random that I will never see says it to me. Um, that hasn't happened to me personally a lot, but I see that happen a lot and it sucks. Um, so, so much bullying and exploitation with celebrities or influencers that they're people like us and we're all humans and we shouldn't, people shouldn't be put on a pedestal because they get more likes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, again, with the comparison, so. Yeah, Claire. Um, I think, kind of like what Gavin said, I think a lot of things that lead to depression and anxiety are comparison and constantly trying to be perfect in what you do. Um, a lot of people try to be perfect in academics or athletics or band or whatever it is they are involved in and they're finding their satisfaction in that, and that's just not sustainable. You're never gonna be perfect in any area of your life. So it's important for Gen Z to find their satisfaction in Christ because that will be stable, um, whereas finding satisfaction in other things that are not stable is going to lead to depression and anxiety. Yeah, and that's such a good word because that, that's not even something that just applies to Generation Z, right? Like that applies to everybody like we we put on this weight and it's it's like works based that if i don't do this then i i lose love or i lose out and the reality is is we have to shift our worth from a very works based focus into well what is what does the bible say about who i am and my purpose and really shift that to like my worth is found in christ and in christ alone awesome so uh, one of the verses I wrote down for this session is anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Like when we talk about anxiety, church, I don't know if you know this, but now if I'm training up any new youth pastors, um, how to uh, basically de-escalate anxiety attacks is like, you have to know this as a youth pastor. Um, and I base it off of Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So Pastor Phil mentioned three statements based off of biblical truth. God loves you, God is all you need, and God gives radiance or peace when you seek him. So just, just for you, um, which one of those statements really resonated with you? Um, personally, God gives you radiance and peace. God gives you radiance. Okay, Claire? 
God is all you need. Awesome. Kaylin. God loves you. Like Evan said, God gives you peace. Yeah. So what we're going to do now, because uh, we got, we're about to run out of time here, I want to challenge you. In Psalm 71, 18, it says, even while I am old and gray, and right now, would you guys consider me old and gray? <laughs> Waiting for that eye contact there, Kaylin. All right. Oh, Gavin, thank you. He's just like, yep. <laughs> so even while I'm old and gray, God, do not abandon me while I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. You know, I have heard from so many people that they have loved this series and how beneficial it has been uh, for them. Yet, here's the challenge. If you have listened, then now you are fully aware of the need. That, that my prayer is that these past few weeks um, have not just been something that you've kind of in, like, you, you intook, but like you've been convicted, convicted that you know you need to invest and that you need to invest in this next generation. And he, here's the reality. When I look at verses like Psalm 71, 18, there's no excuses. Like, we need disciple makers. We need them here at Crossgate, not just to make more disciples. We're not content with that. No, we want to make better disciples, ones that are equipped and trained to be missionaries sent out into this world, pointing this generation to Jesus. And, and but in order for that to happen, we need people to step up and say, yes, I have seen the need of how to raise the next generation. I've heard from this generation on what needs to happen. And so as a, a member or somebody that's been attending Crossgate, I recognize like I have opportunity to invest in this next generation. Meaning like one of my dreams for this youth ministry is I would love for every grade in my ministry to have two loving adults to help shape and sharpen our students. Can you imagine? What the, and not just that there's two adults per that grade. I would love it if a seventh grader came into our youth ministry and those same two loving adults stayed with them till their senior year of high school to watch them graduate. Can you imagine how deep that relationship would be? How much discipling would take place with a consistent, caring, God-loving, disciple-making person in their lives, like those same adults stay with them from 7th to 12th grade church. I said it earlier, we have lost the sacred art of consistency. And we need to be like, if you know the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha, Martha was more concerned about the things of Christ, and so she's running around, and, and she's freaking out about preparing the house. But we need to be more like Mary, who sits at the feet of Jesus and pours out our lives because he is worth it. And if he is worth it, then so is his mission as well. And one of the things that I tell people all the time, it's like, you're just, you're just missing out. Because I get, I get some of the excuses, well, I got a lot of time, I got this going on, and you don't understand, Pastor Josh, there's this thing happening. It's like, you know, I get it, but you're just missing out. That's the reality. Like when you get a call from a student and say, Pastor Josh, I heard your sermon last night, and because of that, I've stopped pursuing a sexual relationship with my girlfriend. You're missing out. When you have a student text you in the morning and say, hey, I need a Bible, can you get it to the school as soon as possible? And just the, the delight that is there, I would trade for pretty much anything 
And for some of you, it's like, I don't know how to reel you in on, it's, it's just something you're missing out on. When our K6 ministries this year saw 10 kids get baptized, 10 kids who actually went to a separate class of their own free will and said, I want to learn more about what it means to be a Christian. Folks, we have adults that don't do that. And these kids are seeking discipleship. Church, we need more adults. Like, yes, we have a system. You need to apply. You need to be trained. There's a process. We want to do this in a safe way. But our ministries need more adults. In order to facilitate, like, my dreams, I would need at least eight to ten more adults on Sundays and another five every Wednesday. That's it. If I had that, then we can see this level of discipleship. Children, this summer, we need station rotation volunteers for Sunday mornings for craft and rec. In fall, we need small group leaders and and possibly Wednesday small group team leaders as well. And our children's ministry still needs leaders. Pre-K, and this is just, I want you to think about this. How many of you, as parents, would stay at the same school if your child had a different teacher every week? Like, most of you would be furious, many of you would change schools, and certainly your child would constantly and consistently be confused and not feel fully safe because they didn't know their teacher, right? And church, that's our pre-K department in a lot of ways. We have some amazing volunteers who are invested and loved on, um, and they love our most vulnerable group, but our pre-K director, Jessica, needs more, and sadly, she hears no, more no's than yeses. But think of what it would mean to those children if every Sunday they showed up, and man, there's Miss Barbara. I love Miss Barbara, and that's what Miss Barbara does. Church, fully transparent here, if, if we've worked through several weeks about learning how to disciple the next generation, but actively don't, then don't be surprised when you see verses like Judges 2, 10 through 11 come to pass. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And listen to this, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served false gods. Church, it is time to invest in the next generation. You've heard it from this panel that you've seen it in their lives. You've seen the amazing students it can produce. If you're interested or if you feel God tugging on you, like, you know what? Now's the time to invest. Take a card, write your name on it. They're in front of you in those uh, chairs. Take it the next steps, and we will start working through that process with you. Because I'm all in. And I know lots of people in this church are all in as well. But let's keep making more and better disciples for Jesus. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.